Well, good afternoon, everyone. I encourage you to turn in God's Word to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14 is found on page 1172. We're just going to look at a small passage this afternoon. Mark chapter 14, and it's verses 27 to 31. Then Jesus said to them, as to the disciples, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke more vehemently. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. Amen. May God bless us the reading of his word. History is written by the victors. This is a quote that's often attributed uh, to Winston Churchill. The one who wins the war is the one that gets to write the history book on it. And never is it more real than in our passage today. Mark, or John Mark, is the author of Mark's gospel that we've been studying However, he gets most of his information from the Apostle Peter. And in this passage we are considering, uh, uh, that we see today, we see a disgraced and humiliated Peter. Why would Peter allow Mark to include this episode of his life in this gospel that would be read by millions of people over thousands of years? Why is he so honest? Well, in our moments of foolishness, how do we respond? Well, we prefer to forget all about it. We don't want to talk about it. We're too embarrassed. But Peter is different. Why would Peter allow this episode to be recorded in Mark's gospel when it harms his reputation? It discredits him. Well, only if Peter saw this moment of foolishness in redemptive light, when the victory of Christ covers his foolishness. And so I want you to notice you're not to put your confidence in yourself. Instead, place your confidence in Christ, for he is the shepherd, and it is in him that you are forgiven. So firstly, you are to trust the word of God, verse 27. So Jesus tells his disciples as they walk to the Garden of Gethsemane, that they will all fall away. These men who had devoted themselves to Jesus for the past three years, they would soon want nothing to do, to do with Jesus. Well, why did Jesus say this? Well, throughout his ministry, he saw scripture being fulfilled. And we considered this last week, how Jesus saw Judas's betrayal as fulfilling what was written in the Old Testament prophecy. Well, again here, Jesus sees Old Testament prophecy being fulfilled. He knew that his disciples would abandon him. He quotes this prophecy from Zechariah 13. 
I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. Jesus saw himself as the shepherd, the good shepherd that we sang about in Psalm 23, who looks after his sheep. He supplies all that we need. He protects us. In the valley of death, we do not need to be afraid. That's because he took that death on himself. And we read of that in this prophecy when it says, in him being struck, and that refers to his death. A death that, Mark, or that Jesus has prophesied many times already in Mark's gospel. And so Jesus is not surprised by his death, but he is prepared for it. And that's because he saw it as part of God's plan of redemption. Notice from that prophecy of Zechariah that I will strike the shepherd. God the Father would do it. That is, this is how God would bring salvation to his people, through the death of his son. And so Jesus, therefore, is trusting in God's word. This was the plan of salvation, and he sought to fulfill it. Ferguson writes, however painful that thought was to him, he also recognized that he could trust his father implicitly. Not one blow would fall upon him that was unnecessary for the salvation of man. It was because of this implicit trust that Jesus endured so faithfully. Likewise, that same confidence that Jesus had in Scripture is one that you too should exhibit. What happens when you lack understanding? Well, you make mistakes. Let me give you an example. In Ireland, I know you like grass cutting uh, illustrations, or Pastor Rich does, and you like to cut your grass really short. That's a way that you stop moss from growing in your lawn. It helps to dry out the lawn so you keep the grass cut as short as you can. I'm realizing that's not the same issue here in Indiana. Uh, my lack of understanding is possibly why my grass is not growing, but instead burning up in the middle of summer. Now, the good news, there is no moss in my lawn. <laughs> and when we lack understanding, that is when we make foolish mistakes. And this is true for you in the Christian walk. A Christian who does not know his Bible is liable to make many mistakes. And we see that all around us. Liberal churches that have rejected parts of the Bible to attract the world, they've only caused self-harm to themselves. They have not attracted the world, and so they have declined, as they have nothing to offer to the world. And seeking to become relevant, they have become irre irrelevant. People have stopped going. The result is many liberal churches now have closed. And so we need to know and understand God's word. So we do not make foolish mistakes. Too often our focus is not on the Bible, it's on our circumstances. And that's what happened to the disciples. They would see their master be arrested and put to death, and this caused them to stumble. They were in despair. They forgot the many times that Jesus predicted that this would happen. They should have been prepared, but their focus was not on the word of God. They allowed circumstances to dictate how they should respond. And at times, your life may feel like it's in chaos. It's then that it's tempting not to listen to God's word, not to trust in God's word. 
But the result is you are not prepared. And so like the disciples, you despair. Instead, you must trust God's word. You must hold on to the promises in God's word that he is in control, that he is working out everything for your good, that he has promised to finish the good work that he has begun in you. Trust God's word and see that he is working out his perfect plan. Well, secondly, do not put your trust in yourself, verse 28. So Jesus prophesied that all the disciples would fall away. But notice their reaction. Notice Peter's reaction. He clearly doesn't believe what Jesus is saying. Peter did understand that Jesus is the shepherd and that he and the other disciples would be the ones who would be scattered. But Peter insists that he would not be scattered. He is adamant that he would not fall away, even if everyone else does. And Jesus tells Peter that he would not only fall away, but that he would deny him three times. Before the cock crows twice, Peter's words would prove to be empty. Verse 31, Peter responds even more strongly, even more emphatically, that even if he would have to die with Christ, he would not deny him. Peter was ready to die in his devotion to Christ. And the other disciples agreed that they would do the same. They believed in themselves. They didn't think that it could be possible for them to deny Christ. They were ready to die as martyrs for the cause. They believed that they would die heroic deaths for their Savior. And so they had placed their confidence in themselves. And so they had the self-inflated view of themselves. And yet they were all talk. The reality was much different. Within 12 hours of Jesus' prophecy, when it came true, they had all fallen away. Peter, who was so adamant, well, he caves in. And he was only threatened by a slave girl. And yet he denied even knowing Christ. Jesus had looked inside Peter's heart. He knew Peter better than Peter knew himself. He knew where Peter had placed his confidence in. It was in his own strength. And yet his own strength had failed him. And likewise, Jesus sees into your heart. He knows where you have placed your confidence in. And if it's not in him, you too will fall away. For unless you place your confidence in God and in his grace, you too will not succeed. What Peter and the other disciples did is not uncommon. Often you hear of believers who confidently say they will die for Christ They are ready to make the ultimate sacrifice. However, it's clear they have placed a confidence in themselves and not in God. And that's seen when they are not willing to make smaller sacrifices. They're unwilling to let another person take credit for what they have done. Or they're not ready to die for Christ when they're called to make a smaller sacrifice of time or money so they can help a brother or sister in need. Is that true for you? Well, humble yourself. God is not calling you to be a hero. Instead, he is calling you to place your confidence in him. Humble yourself by no longer trusting in yourself. Instead, trust in Christ. Well, thirdly, Christ knows your failures, but he continues to love you. What is incredible about this account, about the disciples' failures, 
and Jesus' knowledge of them is that he continues to love them. If you knew that someone would deny you, well, it'd be very hard to maintain a friendship with that person. You would keep your distance. You would be skeptical of their words, especially big promises that you know they could not keep. You would find it very hard to love them. But Jesus loves Peter and the other disciples. This is incredible when you think of the crushing pressure that Jesus was under. It's exhibited in our next passage when he sweats drops of blood as he thought about the torment that he would face. So even in the midst of his suffering, Jesus loves Peter. He even loves him despite the fact that Peter would deny him. And so in Jesus' love for Peter, Peter's denial would not be the end of that friendship. And this was evident when Jesus restores Peter at that breakfast on the beach. Three times Jesus asked, do you love me? And Peter responds, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Peter finally recognizes that Jesus sees into his heart. He tells Peter, he tells Jesus that he does love him. And so Jesus restores him by telling him to feed my sheep, look after my people. Well, the same is true for you. We are like Peter. We deny Christ. But that doesn't come as a surprise to Jesus. It comes as a surprise to us. And the danger is when we become hardened in that sin because we feel defeated. No, Jesus does know about it. And your response should be to quickly come back to Jesus, knowing that he is gracious to forgive you and forgive you of your sin. He died to save you of that sin. And so be confident in his love for you. J.C. Ryle writes this beautiful quote. It's in your outline. Let us take comfort in the thought that the Lord Jesus does not cast off his believing people because of failures and imperfections. He knows what they are. He takes them as the husband takes the wife or the wife takes the husband with all their blemishes and defects and once joined to him by faith. He will never leave them. He is a merciful and compassionate high priest. It is his glory to pass over the transgressions of his people and to cover their many sins. He knew what they were before conversion, wicked, guilty, and defiled, yet he loved them. He knows what they will be after conversion, weak, erring, and frail, yet he loves them. He has undertaken to save them, notwithstanding all their shortcomings and what he has undertaken, he will perform. And since God is in control, we must believe that he even uses our failures for his purposes. These disciples failed, but as a result, they are a reminder to us of God's work of grace in their lives. The devil often says to us that you have failed too many times, that you're now no use to Christ and to his kingdom. But you must not believe that lie. God's grace is sufficient. He would use these men, despite their failures, to be the foundation of the church. They would feed his sheep, and he will use you too, as you show God's grace to others. And we must show that same grace to others whether it's in your marriage 
or in your workplace, in this congregation, where we will fail, we will disappoint, each one of us, we are sinners. But if Christ can forgive his disciples who promised never to disown him, well, we too should be ready to forgive one another, even those who disappoint us, even those who sin against us. So remember Christ's love for you, and so demonstrate that love to others, even in their failures. Well, fourthly and finally, look forward to the resurrection. What the disciples did not hear in Jesus' words was this prophecy that he would rise from the dead. Verse 28, after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Death would not be the end. Jesus will be victorious. He will triumph over death. Rico Tice writes, Jesus was as sure about rising from death as he was about dying. But the disciples, they did not hear this. They were not listening. They only heard the bad news that they would all fall away. And we have a few soccer players in the midst here. Imagine if you were told that you would let three goals into your own net. You missed a tackle, and so the opposing team, uh, they score against you. Or you accidentally pass the ball to the other team, and again, you set them up to score. Or thirdly, you score an an OG, an own goal. But then your fellow teammate scores five goals. And so the result is your team wins. But imagine if you only fixate on the fact that you let three goals in and you wouldn't listen to the fact that your team won because your fellow player scored five goals. Well, then you're missing out on the good news. And it's only the end result that matters in that game. Well, the disciples were missing out on the good news. They were missing out on this prophecy. They weren't focusing on what Jesus was saying, that he would rise again, that he was confident of what would happen after his death. He makes plans to see them in Galilee. Now, we've heard this so many times that it doesn't really strike us as an odd thing to say. You don't hear people saying that, I'm going to die this week, but next week I'll see you on Wednesday at 3 o'clock in Indianapolis. Make sure to keep your calendar free on that day. It's absurd. But Jesus is so sure of his resurrection that his death is not the end that we read of him making plans after his death. And it's because Christ is risen that you too should have confidence in your own resurrection. At times, this is a truth that you simply have to cling on to. When you go through difficult times, know that you are secure in Christ and in his resurrection. You can look forward to a time after death when you will be free from all the pains in this life. Ferguson writes, when the darkness of your present experience seems to make God's hand utterly invisible, look beyond the darkness to the dawning of that morning when the shadows will flee away and God will wipe away every tear from your eyes. And that's because the resurrection points to the fact that Christ has defeated sin and conquered death. It's proof that his death on the cross worked that God is satisfied with the atonement he has made. John Calvin writes, The cause of death is Adam, and we die in him. Hence Christ, whose office is to restore to us what we lost in Adam. 
is the cause of life to us, and his resurrection is a groundwork and pledge of ours. And as the former was the beginning of death, so the latter is of life. That is why Christ is the one you must trust, for only Christ has defeated death. Peter, he had trusted in himself, but as soon as he had disowned Jesus for the third time, he remembered Jesus' words. When the the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And Peter broke down. He wept. Peter wept because he had misplaced his confidence. It should not have been in himself. Even in this heroic death that he thought he would accomplish for Christ. No, his confidence should have been in Christ. But it's not the end for Peter. When the angel spoke to the woman at the tomb, we read in Mark 16, But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him as he said to you. And Peter. What a wonderful inclusion that this, in, this angel made. Jesus' resurrection was for his disciples including Peter. Jesus paid the price for Peter's sin, including his sin of denial. And he proved he had paid for it by his resurrection. He wanted Peter to know about it, to know that he had been forgiven, to know that he would see Jesus again. And so the resurrection really is a precious truth, especially in this broken world where death is all too real. The other day, Heather said to me, why does it feel like so many people are dying? I said, well, we're in our 40s now. Death becomes more familiar. But with the resurrection, we know that in the sadness, there is comfort. Our bodies will no longer face decay or disease. There'll be no more sorrow or suffering. There will be a reunion with those who we have lost. But more importantly, we will be in the presence of our Savior. And the result is, in death, we do not need to fear. We can face it with confidence in Christ. In a couple of weeks' time, I'm looking forward to seeing my parents again, to see their faces, to hear their voices, to be at ease in their presence. That is only a taster of a much greater reunion in heaven when we will be with our Savior Your sin will be gone. No longer will sin hinder your relationship with Christ. Instead, you will be at ease as you see his face and hear his voice. In him there is life. In him there is forgiveness. So do not put your confidence in yourself. Instead, place your confidence in Christ. For he is your shepherd. In him you are forgiven. So Peter gives us this biographical insight of his own sinfulness But in doing so, he points to Jesus, who is the shepherd who has forgiven him. Likewise, we are Peter. We try to keep our sins hidden, but the reality is God sees them all. So don't waste your time making excuses or putting the blame on others. Follow Peter's example. Admit your sin, but also see that in Christ you are forgiven. Amen. Let's pray.
Father God, we do thank you for this honest account that we have in Mark's gospel from Peter, and where we see so clearly the love of Christ. Lord, we thank you where we see Christ fulfilling your word and seeing these prophecies being fulfilled and that his disciples falling away, denying him. And Lord, that's true of us. That is a description of us. And so, Lord, we thank you that although we have sinned many times, we have fallen away. We thank you that in you there is grace, that you don't cast us off, but you receive us back. And so we thank you for how you use the disciples, and we pray that you would use us for your glory. So we pray you would remind us of your graciousness in Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, please turn the blue psalm book, and we're going to sing... Psalm 37c, Psalm 37c, in this psalm we read of the man who stumbles, but we also see that he does not fall, and that's because God is holding his hand. So let us remember God's sustaining grace and trust him in response. So stand and sing Psalm 37c. (laughs) 